Good morning, everyone. My name is Nayaswami Anandi, and this is Nayaswami Bharat, and we both want to welcome you all to Sunday service. We'd like to welcome those who are joining us over the internet, those of you who've come here in person, and especially our new uh, meditation teacher training students. So I'm going to begin with a reading from Rays of the One Light, which are weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita by Swami Kriyananda. This week's reading is called First Things First. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. That expression, first things first, is a piece of counsel often given to students of business techniques. It is the advice of practicality to those who aspire to worldly success. But according to the Hermetic doctrine, as above, so below, that which works best in one level of life is often the best guide to what will work well on every other level. If a person is true to his highest priorities, he will generally find that his other needs are fulfilled naturally as well. This is true certainly of the search for God. One of the greatest sayings of Jesus Christ was this simple sentence in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 6. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Paramahansa Yogananda gave his elder brother Ananta a wonderful lesson in this truth. It was Ananta who had captured him and brought him back from his flight to the Himalayas, described in, by Yogananda in Autobiography of a Yogi. In Yogananda's book, we read how Ananta later challenged him in the city of Agra to pit his divine faith against such practical worldly considerations as the need for earning a living. Fearless before that challenge, the young aspirant agreed to go by train without any money to the nearby town of Brindaban, not to miss a single meal in Brindaban, and to find his way back to Agra without begging and without in any other way asking for help. In one of the most thrilling chapters in the book, Yogananda fulfilled all the conditions of the test. Yogananda continued the account. As the, as the tale was unfolded, my brother turned sober, then solemn. The law of demand and supply reaches into subtler realms than I had supposed. Ananta spoke with a spiritual enthusiasm never before noticeable. I understand for the first time your indifference to the vaults and vulgar accumulations of the world. Late as it was, my brother insisted that he receive diksha, initiation into Kriya Yoga. 
as the Bhagavad Gita puts it in the ninth chapter, those who worship lesser gods go to their gods, but those who worship me come to me. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Good morning. I'd like to read from Whispers from Eternity, Mystical Poetry by Paramatsi Yogananda. Teach me, O Spirit, to love thee as wholeheartedly as the miser loves money. Make me attached to thee as a drunkard is addicted to wine. Teach me to cling to thee as erring ones do to their bad habits. Teach me to be as attentive to thee as a mother is to her child. Teach me to perform my duties diligently with my attention fully riveted on thee. Teach me to love thee as the worldly man loves his possessions. With the first love of true lovers, teach me to love thee. Well, it's nice to be back up here on the platform celebrating Sunday service with you. This has uh, been a few months where I've been on the sidelines. Um, I, I want to tell you kind of a humorous uh, story, the episode that happened uh, from all your prayers uh, during my uh, three visits to the emergency room and uh, hospital this summer uh, for a burst appendix. Um, it does fit in with the service, but I wanted to, <laughs> but I wanted to thank you for all your loving thoughts and uh, prayers during this time. Well, we, uh, for those that don't live in the community, uh, we have a, a phone system, and if somebody needs prayers, uh, a message is out, and the whole community uh, prays for the individual. Well, I was on my way to the hospital, and I was feeling all your prayers, and, uh, and I was feeling uh, God's presence inside from the prayers. And when I got to the emergency room, uh, one of the nurses... Uh, she said, this guy has no problems. <laughs> he, he, there's nothing wrong with him because I was smiling and, uh, and, that, and I was in pain, but I was smiling. And, um, and so she thought he can wait. And it was a burst appendix. And of course, they didn't uh, uh, make me wait. Uh, and uh, and then, um, she, uh, then when the second visit uh, to the uh, hospital about a, a week later, after I was, uh, I was there again, and she told me that, um, uh, that that was going through her mind. And she went around telling all the doctors and nurses, you know, don't let his smile fool you. He really has something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> And then a week later, when we went back again, <laughs> we had the same nurse. <laughs> and she told everybody on, on the shift that night, you know, don't let his smile fool you. <laughs> and this really does fit in with the topic of seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. And the whole history of Ananda is... Uh, filled with stories of God's protection and uh, loving protection among so many people at a distance uh, in the community. Shirk Teshwar uh, told uh, Paramahansa Yogananda 
that one should live day to day and uh, realize that uh, uh, sustenance all comes from God. And Yogananda talked about how uh, he got to spend time in India roaming free as a divine gypsy, just feeling the love of God. And he said, I'm always happy inside, but my outer life was just so free and, uh, uh, during this period. And he just loved that period of his life. And he told a story of going on pilgrimage with a few other devotees when he was a young man in the Himalayas. And uh, they were just living as divine gypsies. And they came across one saint. And uh, Yogananda was so thrilled to talk about God with this saint uh, that he just got lost. And there was just lost track of all time. And uh, his uh, fellow uh, pilgrims, they were kind of tugging on him, kind of going, come on, let's go. We're hungry. we got to eat something. <laughs> and he just was just oblivious to, to everything. He said it just didn't matter when his next uh, meal came from and uh, he said that there was a divine law that uh, when the devotee puts God first and lives for God, uh, then God will take care of them and give them everything that they need. It may not always be what we think we need, uh, but it's what we really need in the highest way. Paramahansa Yogananda said that when we can be happy in the present, we have God. And it's our desires, our likes and dislikes that pull us out towards the future or push us back to the past. But in the stillness of the present moment uh, is where we can experience the absolute nature of God, which is unmoving, still bliss. I had an experience uh, in the mountains uh, that uh, gave me uh, a little bit of a feeling for this. Uh, I had uh, taken uh, two friends from England high up on uh, the Grouse Ridge, and it was uh, early spring, so snow covered uh, the whole terrain, and things looked different uh, in the snow. And I went off the wrong ridge instead of the the one that led to my car. And I was walking along, and after a while, I realized that I was going the wrong way, but I was too far down uh, into the canyon. And I was walking on snow, and I knew I needed to get below the snow line uh, in order to um, uh, stay warm somehow. And I knew that I was okay because if I kept on going far enough, uh, I would uh, hit the the freeway. You know, I didn't know how far. Uh, But it kind of reminds me when they asked Daniel Boone if he'd ever been lost before. And he said, no, I've been and might be wildered a few weeks, but never been lost. Because he knew which way the Mississippi River was. <laughs> well, I wasn't quite in Daniel Boone's uh, category, but I didn't know if I would make it uh, uh, that night, or, but I knew I would by the next morning. And uh, I'd had experience of being lost before, and I knew the importance of being calm. And so I, I just started chanting to God and uh, just thinking of God and uh, I got below uh, the snow line. I thought, well, let me keep going. And it was uh, turning into dusk. And uh, then I could just sort of barely see when I came to a big lake. And I saw two fishermen out on a boat. And um, I could have called to them to ask where I was. But I, by this time, I was just feeling so joyful inside and just this feeling of peace that I didn't want to leave that peace by yelling really loud. Uh, so I figured that... Uh, everything would be fine. And I I walked around the lake and uh, I got 
finally to a small cove, and it was started to be pitch dark, but I could see a fisherman just across the far side of the pole, uh, the, um, the cove. And I asked him this time, I could speak calmly, and I asked, what lake are we at? And he said, Spalding. And uh, so I knew where I was. Um, I was about 11 uh, miles from my car. And, uh, <laughs> and so I went around the cove. And by this time, it was pitch black. And I was sort of shuffling with my feet, walking, looking, trying to feel for the road and, uh, and that. And then out of the darkness, the fisherman said, why don't you know the name of the lake? And uh, then I explained that um, I'd come down the wrong ridge. And um, this is uh, quite a ways to go. You've got some pavement, but then you have maybe six miles of very rough, rocky road to get to the top. And so um, uh, my, the fisherman's friend, he was with two others. They didn't want to take me up to the, um, uh, that far. It was late at night. I think it was probably 9 o'clock or something, 9.30, uh, something like that. And, um, and so they were, I was sitting in the back seat because he got me in the back seat. And they were discussing whether they are going to take me to my car or not. And by this time, I was just feeling so joyful, just uh, that I didn't want the night to end. Uh, you know, the longer the night went, the more I was hoping for, because I was just feeling just this bliss of just, just being uh, in the present moment. Nothing else mattered. That was what was most important. And so they went back and forth, and finally they decided to take me up uh, to the top of Grass Ridge and, and that, and I got on my car. and. Uh, came home. And uh, it was just a, a very interesting experience because uh, I don't live that way all the time. We, you know, you, uh, the saints do though. Uh, they're just in, in the moment, just perfectly. And nothing pulls them out of that moment, the blissful moment of God. And uh, when we can live that way, uh, but it, that only comes from purity of heart, doesn't it? Of just having nothing that pulls our energy outside ourselves. Uh, but when we're always within ourselves, the whole practice of Kriya Yoga, uh, bringing more of awareness into the spine and living deeply in the spine. Uh, Master called the spine the altar of spirit. And this is where uh, the yogi uh, is, you know, all the practices, everything that a yogi does is to draw that energy inside and then to live from that consciousness Paramahansa Yogananda said that God works from the inside out and man works from the outside in. And uh, I think most of us know what the spiritual eye is. It's, um, it's a reflection of the inner spine. And at the very center is the star of spirit, of just stillness of God unmoving. And then surrounding that star is a field of blue. And that's the causal or thought world. It's the realm of Om. And this is where our spirit projects outward his loving consciousness into creation and is just spreading out. And then it goes to the astral world, the yellow ring, into the world of energy and then into matter. And uh, we have two choices. We can live at the periphery of that great stream of consciousness coming into the world and live in matter consciousness. Or we could identify with spirit. And, uh, and then just see spirit behind all the appearances of manifestation. And this is uh, our choice. Yogananda said that uh, God is experienced as someone that lives at the fringe in nature, 
is unfeeling, disinterested, elusive. Uh, but God, that uh, when we experience God, you know, at the center of our being, that God is intimate, lovable, and very keenly interested and directly acts to relieve every misery that we have. So if we want to really have that kind of relationship with God, then that means that we have to seek him deep inside ourselves. Uh, it's, uh, I had a very interesting experience that I had actually quite a few interesting experiences in the last <laughs> few years. Uh, and, uh, but it was Master's uh, Mahasamadhi uh, celebration. And Anand- Anandi and I, we were supposed to be helping lead the ceremony with Ananta and Maria. Uh, well, I had had uh, a really high fever and chills so much that I had all my mountaineering clothing on. And I was under a down comforter and two wool blankets. It had been fleece hat, insulated pants. And I was shaking so much and chills uh, that, uh, and I had the, everything over my head. And then I remembered something that Yogananda had said in Patanjali. He said that God is the greatest magician. He makes what, uh, uh, he uh, creates this big illusion and making what isn't real look real. And I just started laughing uh, at his cosmic joke as he was doing such a masterful job <laughs> at that time. Uh, but, uh, you know, Yogananda said that God has created creation not, uh, not to destroy us, but to test us, to help us to be centered in the consciousness of God. And that's every challenge that comes our way. It, that's its purpose, is to help us to remember uh, that our, uh, our divine reality is God, and it's not in anything that's temporary. Yogananda said that you could re- reduce pain by 10 times by remembering God and remembering that God is behind all the experiences. And, of course, St. Francis, he went way beyond the 10 uh, time limit. I mean, he just had everything going on, and he was just singing in the bliss of God. And so it's, it's that remembrance. I was... Um, uh, talking with Jyotish, um, uh, when Anaya Swami Jyotish, the spiritual director of Ananda, and he said that very few of us are, or he said that only really Swami can transcend these kind of situations, but we can deeply accept them. And, uh, and so um, uh, there's a, an image that, uh, well, actually, before I, I, I tell this image, well, I'll tell the image now, and then I want to, I'll make my next point. But um, an image that will really help you uh, accept whatever comes your way is uh, um, you could visualize Divine Mother and uh, smiling at you and just feeling her loving countenance. And then, if, uh, you, then just think of a, a particular karmic challenge that has come your way. And then just see Divine Mother holding that karmic challenge that is just perfect for your soul uh, evolution and freedom. And see her holding it out to you and just with this great blissful smile, realizing that this is going to free me. This is going to draw me closer to God. And then with your hands reaching out and taking that karma and bringing it to your heart in deep appreciation. And then closing your eyes and looking upward at the spiritual eye, the point between the eyebrows, and then just offering 
that karma up to God and just feeling the freedom that comes from releasing that karma. You know, the best way to overcome something, some karmic thing is deep acceptance. Uh, and then that will help take the power out of it. When we think that it shouldn't be happening and we fight it, we create tension and we magnify it. Uh, but when we realize that it's just an energy coming from God, that God is behind it, uh, there's just a comfort with it and it will just dissipate uh, a lot more quickly. God as unmoving spirit has um, created all of us. And some people, when they look in the, and see the suffering that goes on in the world today, they say, how could God permit this? Um, you know, this isn't right. They don't believe in God or trust God. But we're made in the image of God. And uh, God wants us to realize that stillness in ourself that's not touched by creation around us. And he wants us to be as strong as he, he is. And this is the whole lesson of creation, is to not be caught by it uh, and not be limited by it, to be free. And so um, everything that we do, everything that happens to us, if we just think, okay, Lord, this is you coming to me, and identify with God and God's reality rather than the specifics. And of course, we act appropriately and uh, uh, on things on their own level and have to do things like, for example, we went to the, Anandi and I, we were trying to overcome my burst appendix with uh, Pepto-Bismol for a whole day, but that didn't work, so we went to the hospital. We were really practical. <laughs> I would like to read uh, something very beautiful that uh, Paramahansa Yogananda wrote. Um, he said that when we work to please God, that activity unites us with him. And, uh, you know, the, the, the topic today is, um, you know, why don't we seek God? It's because we're interested in other things. And, but when we seek God, you know, all things come our way. And um, Yogananda said that when we're in the consciousness of Om, the whole world adapts to uh, what the devotee needs. And so, of course, everything comes. But, of course, we don't get excited about those things uh, because we, we just want God's presence. But uh, Swami tells the story of this great saint in India that he was visiting uh, at the ashram. And there was a cyclone that hit India. And everybody in India was wanting to get on the train and uh, you know, see their relatives. They were concerned about their families. And Swami went with a, a, a disciple of that great saint uh, to the train station. And Swami said, well, how is he going to get, uh, uh, how is everybody in the ashram, how are you going to get 20 tickets? And the disciple said, Swamiji, uh, Swamiji, meaning the saint, he always gets what he needs. And he just got the tickets just like that because God provided for them. Uh, there was a need. Well, I, uh, all, of it, all of us aren't really ready to be divine gypsies in terms of on our outward responsibilities. We have a, a big work still to do and to share with the world. And so our path is meditation and service. And so I wanted to read uh, Yogananda's words because it 
really talk so beautifully uh, about the spirit in which one uh, should work. Because I perform all actions for God, I do them with more ambition and care than I would for myself. And if the results of those actions go wrong, I don't suffer personally because I acted only for him. I did my best and I will try again with greater joy and determination, but without attachment to my efforts and their outcome. If I were working for myself, I would worry all the time. But since my object in working is only to serve God, the results are his, not mine. This is the way to transcend the law of karma. In the early days of the community up at the meditation retreat, which is about six miles away from here, uh, Swami Kriyananda and a work party were putting up some of the first uh, buildings, and it was a dome. And they'd worked all day and maybe several days to get this dome up, and they were just about to put in the top piece. Uh, maybe you'd call it the keystone and, uh, and that, and that's what makes the, the dome really firm. Well, before they could do that, it just collapsed. Uh, on, the, on the deck. And a little bit later, um, Jochish, who was sitting there on the deck, saw Swami sitting over by himself. And he didn't know Swami Kriyananda uh, that well. Um, it was the early days. And uh, uh, Jochish knew, of course, Swami in San Francisco as did Seva and I don't know how many others uh, then. Uh, but uh, so Jochish thought, well, Swami's just feeling uh, sad because this building, I, I think it might have been his house or it might have been the temple, uh, had collapsed. And he was just sitting there kind of a little bit devastated by the, the dome's collapse. And then Jotish heard very quietly uh, the words coming from Swami, joy, oh, so much joy. And Swami has always worked only for God. And, you know, this is just the, and he's pulled us all along and created this community but it's all been for only God, just to please God. And, you know, Swami's legacy uh, is the bliss that he experienced in his life all the time. And he's created a wonderful environment for us to nurture and experience that bliss. And let's take the sacred opportunity that we've all been given to live more deeply in God so that we can live in his 